Hello and welcome to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Don Hibbard. And I'm Courtney Bronze. And each week we bring you conservation topics and events from around the Endless Mountains. Well, summer is just about here and a lot of people will definitely be spending more time out in the water. So we really thought this would be a good time to talk about aquatic invasive species and how to prevent spreading them while participating in recreational activities. So first, let's start with what is an aquatic invasive species? Yeah, so aquatic invasive species are aquatic animals and plants that have been introduced into waterways, which they don't naturally live in. And there's a whole list of species that are banned for sale, barter, possession, or transportation. But today we're going to focus on some of the least favorable species here in PA. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that, you know, there's a couple qualities about invasive species that make them invasive as well. I think one is um, reproduction. They reproduce at a faster rate. Um, Growth, so they grow at a faster rate. And um, they just outcompete, you know, the natives. So um, definitely things to watch out for um, with invasive species. So the first one we want to talk about are the New Zealand mud snails, and they're an aquatic invasive species that are roughly the size of a match head, so they're really small, and they're popular in cold water trout fisheries in central and eastern Pennsylvania. In some of the waters that they infest, they have the potential to reach densities of hundreds or even thousands of snails per square foot. So they actually ended up in the United States in two different ways. Um, So in Idaho, they were introduced with rainbow trout back in the 80s, and they were also introduced through ballast water released from cargo ships in the Great Lakes. They're not harmful to humans, um, but they can compete with and negatively impact freshwater invertebrate species, so snails and other aquatic insects. They're commonly found on rocks and vegetation, and they can be easily spread to new waters by attaching to waders, fishing gear, and boats. They're so tiny that they're often really hard to see. Like I said, they're about the size of a match head, so they can go unnoticed pretty easily. These snails also breed parthenogenetically, which means that it only takes one snail to start a whole new population. Yeah, and when we were, you know, we were doing some research for this, it's been a while since biology class for me, so I had to go back and refresh my memory on what that meant. And it's just a really incredible way of reproducing, uh, like you said, All it takes is one snail to make more snails. So how do you prevent the spread? Um, You can kill them by freezing your gear for at least six hours, which that's really probably not easy or practical to do, especially for bigger gear. Um, You can soak your gear in hot water greater than 120 degrees for at least five minutes. And you should always inspect your boats and kayaks, um, remove all the vegetation and wash them off before leaving the body of water you came out of. Yeah, I think that last one is probably the most practical. Yeah. Yeah, so practice that one, uh, definitely. All right, so the next one we want to talk about is hydrilla. It's got a cool name, but it's not a cool plant. So um, it's definitely invasive. It's perennial, and like I said at the beginning of the show, um, invasives, they grow pretty quickly, and that's the case with this one. Uh, it, It covers the water surface. So um, it restricts boating, swimming, fishing access. More importantly, it prevents sunlight from penetrating the water 
and can shade out other species growing in the water. Um, also, when the whole mat dies, uh, bacteria consumes the oxygen in the water and fish kills can happen. So where did it come from? Uh, a lot of people have aquariums and that's how this one was brought in the United States. Uh, it reproduces primarily through plant fragments. So if a boat motor goes through that surface area where it's growing and cuts off the plant, it can reproduce that way. Uh, it can flow downstream, form new plants, um, spread throughout the lake the same way. So you might be asking how to prevent it and um, definitely remove all the visible mud and plants before leaving the water body. Uh, drain all your equipment, clean your gear. And again, going back to the hot water, they recommend 104 degrees Fahrenheit or salt water. And then let your gear dry thoroughly for five days before entering a new body of water. So hydrilla is actually listed as a federal noxious weed and uh, that makes it illegal to possess or distribute or even transport to Pennsylvania. So uh, no more aquarium plants, right? They're actually mapping this particular species. Um, so you could probably get involved with that and you can visit Pennsylvania Sea Grant website to access fact sheets. Um, there's field guides, there's the PA rapid response plan and that's also where you can report the sightings of hydrilla, other invasive aquatic species. So the next one we wanted to cover is the Asian clam. It's a clam species native to the tropic regions of Southeast Asia and Africa. Um, it was brought to the United States in 1924. It was actually introduced to the West Coast and it was harvested as a food source. And by the 1970s, it had occupied most of the United States. They're highly prolific and highly competitive, and they're also capable of self-fertilization, just like the mud snails. And each individual can release hundreds of thousands of free-floating microscopic larvae per day. So these dense clusters of Asian clams can alter the natural benthic community of an ecosystem. So they're very efficient filter feeders, which just means that they filter water, and they consume microscopic plants and animals um, in the process of doing this. So by consuming these plants and animals, they're displacing native species and competing for food sources. And in many areas, native mussels are actually in danger of becoming extinct um, due to these infestations of Asian clams. So it's not a good scenario. I think that boils down to making sure you identify or know how to identify um, natives versus the invasive clams, right? right. Yeah, if you're doing any type of recreation in water, boating, fishing, whatever it may be, it's a good idea to have a field guide for um, aquatic invasive species just to make sure that you're not helping in the spread. Yeah, and not only that, but if you have kids, you can teach them about it too, the field guide. So Yeah, absolutely. And you can find these free online. I think um, Pennsylvania Fish and Boat Commission has some or the Sea Grant website we had just talked about. So yep. they're out there. So as in all these species, early detection is the first line of defense in preventing the spread of them. Um, you always want to check for and remove plants, mud, debris from boats, trailers, clothing. You want to make sure you're draining all your bait buckets, bilges, and live wells, and cleaning all your gear. All right, another one we want to talk about is the northern snakehead. And um, the snakeheads, they're a family of fish that are native to parts of China, Russia and Korea and 
here in Pennsylvania, they were confirmed all the way back in 2004 in Meadow Lake, uh, which is Philadelphia County. And uh, they're present in the connecting lower Schuylkill and Delaware, uh, both of those rivers, as well as Susquehanna now. So, uh, and I'll get to that in a minute. So back in 2020, when COVID hit, uh, the fish passage operations at the big three Susquehanna River dams, um, and they're in the southern part of the state, so they were delayed because of COVID. Uh, and during the delayed operations, a fair number of snakehead were actually observed at the fish lifts. Um, and the fish lifts, if you don't know much about that, primarily for American shad, um, you know, back in 1800s, 1700s, it was typical of American shad to travel up Susquehanna. Um, and then because of those dams put in place that restricted the migration, so they put the elevators in. Uh, so these same elevators that they used for the shad, uh, they were observing snakehead in those elevators. Um, so they actually stopped elevator use, um, at least for the time being. And Fish and Boat Commission, they issued a statement uh, saying that further introduction of this invasive species, such as northern snakehead, would be posing a serious threat in the Commonwealth's aquatic resources. Um, so what does it look like? What does the snakehead look like? So they mentioned that the snake has a torpedo body, uh, long dorsal fins without spines, and toothed jaws. So kind of prehistoric looking. They're typically distinguished by the flat and pointy head with long lower jaws. Uh, they're a predatory fish and will compete with other fish species for forage and habitat. Um, here comes the important part, the part that makes them invasive. Uh, and that is that each spawning age female can release up to 15,000 eggs at once. And snakeheads can mate as often as five times a year. And really that boils down to in just two years, a single female can release up to 150,000 eggs. So potentially 150,000 snakeheads just from one female in two years. Um, here's another crazy fact. Uh, I had no idea about this one. I had heard rumors. But um, snakeheads are actually obligate air breathers. So that means they have some lung capacity and uh, they can live in poorly oxygenated stagnant water, but they can actually travel out of water and they can survive up to four days. And uh, the juveniles can migrate over land. They can travel up to a quarter mile. So it means that they can survive on land four days traveling a quarter mile. Um, so that means they can potentially get into a lot of different tributaries, um, lakes, ponds, because, you know, primarily water's close to other bodies of water. So um, that's that's one of the biggest factors in making it invasive, as well as the reproduction. Um, we'll say that adults are too rounded bodied to actually make that trek. So it's just the juveniles, um, but there could be a lot of juveniles, as we mentioned with the reproduction. So uh, definitely an important one to mention, and um, I'm sure the Pennsylvania Fish and Boat Commission will take a, a bigger stance on that in you know, coming months and years ahead. Um, whether they say, hey, it's a sport fish, kind of like the flathead catfish, or whether they'll say, you know, keep killing them all. Not sure. Now, definitely stay tuned, and we'll talk about it in the future, because um, this is an up-and-coming invasive species that we want to monitor. 
So the last one we wanted to finish with isn't a fish or a plant. Oh, what is it? It's a turtle. Hey. So we're going to talk about red-eared sliders. So it all starts with that cute little turtle at the pet store, right? Yeah. They're tiny. You like them. You want one for a tank in your house. I do. So people buy them and they take them home. And eventually that cute little turtle turns into a big turtle. Most people don't realize that they can grow up to a foot in length and they can live for 40 years. So that turtle that you adopt for your kid when they're in kindergartens, probably going to be with them at college graduation. They're probably going to leave it home for you well, to take care of. Yeah, it's going to be with somebody. <laughs> and that's where the problem starts. So eventually people get sick of the turtles and they decide to release them into the wild. So most of these turtles don't have instincts to survive in the wild. You know, they're used to being fed in their tank their whole life. So most of them die, but some of them live. And the ones that survive continue to reproduce. And eventually they take over native habitats, food sources, basking sites, and overcompete with native turtle species like the red-bellied turtle, which is threatened here in Pennsylvania. So moral of the story is if you're looking to get a pet turtle, do your research and understand what you're getting into and don't release them into the wild. Um, if you're looking to buy a turtle, consider adopting one first. There's almost always someone with a classified ad looking to adopt one out. Yeah, we actually have one here at the district and we use it for educational purposes, kind of talking about the same thing. All right, so we do have a couple of events for you today. Uh, the first one would be Endless Mountain Heritage Region, and they're doing a family fun sojourn, and that's on June 4th to 5th. Uh, so they describe the event as the Endless Mountain Heritage Region and the Endless Mountain Outfitters are teaming up to host a family fun sojourn. And that'll be on Saturday and Sunday, June 4th and 5th, along with Susquehanna River's Upper North Branch. Uh, participants will paddle 20 miles through Bradford County over a two-day period from Sare Riverfront Park to Wysock Boat Launch. All meals on the trip are included and provided by local businesses. Uh, they mentioned that to please bring personal snacks and a good supply of water. Uh, this is a great opportunity to get out on the river with your children and learn about paddling, safety, environmental stewardship, local history, and simply have fun. Prices to register vary based on whether you'll be renting a canoe or a kayak and uh, if you're bringing your own watercraft. So for more information, visit emheritage.org. The other event that we want to mention today is Exploring Waterbug. So the Conservation District will be putting on this event and uh, you can join staff members Chris Santor and Amber Jacobson. That'll be on May 21st, so this coming Saturday, from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. And they'll be leading participants in a macroinvertebrate investigation. Uh, so come explore Silver Creek and collect aquatic insects, uh, and you'll be discovering what is living there and what their presence actually tells us about the quality of the stream. Um, I also mentioned that you can take that same information back to your own water body by your house, and you can tell about the quality of that water body as well. So participants are encouraged to bring waders if possible, or clothes if they don't mind getting wet. All the other equipment will be provided, and there's no cost for this event. So the event's gonna be held at Salt Spring State Park, and you'll be meeting in the parking lot next to the Wheaton House. 
So we ask you to RSVP for this event by calling the Susquehanna County Conservation District. The number for the Conservation District is 570-782-2105. Again, 570-782-2105. If you have questions related to our shows, you can contact the Conservation District by also calling the number that Don just mentioned. If you missed a portion of today's show, you can go to our website, www.suscondistrict.org, and find our Conservation Corner page with past episodes, links to information about past episodes, and a contact form where you can reach out and ask questions or make comments about the show. You can even suggest ideas for future shows. You have been listening to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Courtney Bronze. And I'm Don Hibbard saying, enjoy the outdoors.